0: Beautiful soul, how are you? Morning April, how are you? I'm good. good. It's not alive so don't worry about that. Yep. Take our time. That's fine, thank you. How's the morning over there in Australia? Yeah, hectic. Yeah? (laughs) They're
1: all hectic at the moment. Uh, We were supposed to have some roadworks done here outside on saturday morning but they got delayed till this morning so i've managed to put them off and for another hour so it should be good
0: okay i'm a little parisian look on for you how about that yeah looking lovely
1: (laughs) and how is it over there five o'clock your time
0: in the afternoon five o'clock a little chilly Hmm. Still deciding what I want to have for supper. Yeah, okay, I'm just going to... My husband went, went somewhere with my daughter, so I don't have to worry about that, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, Before good. we get started, I want to make sure that I have your authorization and consent to edit, record, and distribute this amazing podcast on behalf of my company, ALM Enterprises, a good person production. Is that okay? That is okay. Okay, okay. good. So now... um. Let's gather a little space together. I like to make sure that we're in the same sphere. I Burned us some good love offerings here. (laughs) And I just want to close our eyes and just make sure that this message lands upon the mothers and the daughters that need to hear it, within the hearts that need to feel it and upon the hands that need to hold it. Thank you for that. So now we're going to talk about helping children. You're a mother of three. Um, not not connecting with your mother. How, <clears throat> And the mother not connecting with the child. Because it's a duality there. Uh-huh. Um, forgiveness. Your coaching. Is there anything yes. else that you want to incorporate in this?
1: Currently, uh, I am started volunteering, working with disadvantaged youths on helping them get their licenses to drive
0: hmm.
1: and what i've learned through my coaching is uh helping enormously there in connecting with them and being able to identify what's going on for them and what might be holding them back where they're you know because a lot of them have experienced i'm getting different stories a lot of them want are very open in wanting to tell their story
0: mm-hmm. all right
1: Here we and, uh, yeah
0: So it's very powerful. I was looking for something, but I can't find it. That's right. Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. G'day. (laughs) This is the place where the conversation is pointed and the guests are sharp. The responses are never dull. Today we have the beautiful Melissa Oriel from Australia. And we're going to talk about the connection between mother and child. Some just are not cut out to be parents. And we have that, uh, that expectation that because you are able to conceive and get birth, that there's gonna be an automatic connection. There could be some generational trauma. There could be some postpartum. There could be a dysfunctional relationship. There could be rape. There could be incest. There could be you know a whole plethora of reasons why individuals do not connect with their children. But what we want to do is we want to bridge that gap because the child didn't ask to come. And so what we have to do is we really have to figure out the best way. Is that maybe counseling? Is that maybe therapy? Is that maybe going to live with another relative? You know, I remember back in the day, my mother told me, you know, that that was very common when parents Mm -hmm. couldn't afford it. They gave it to an aunt, an uncle, a grandmother, you know, to raise the child. Foster care, if you're a foster parent, how are you relating with that child and their issues? So we're going to cover some of those big ticket items with our amazing guests. How are you, Melissa? I'm very well, thank you, April. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. So did I kind of hit the nail on the head with some of those issues there?
1: Yeah, very much so. There are various reasons why... Um, mothers may not connect with their children uh, and also reasons why children are sometimes born you often hear mums say my baby won't it won't settle they're always unsettled they don't want to be held there's you know they can't understand what's wrong with their baby and a lot of the the research and education I've been Um, getting myself around that lately has answered a lot of those questions for me and it enables me to help others to understand and to find ways to reconnect with those children so that it's not so traumatic for both mother and and child.
0: Absolutely, because that child we want to grow up to be a functional adult. Go back, tell us a little bit about your story, your journey and your truth.
1: Oh, my story, Uh, I I grew up in the country, I grew up on a uh, thoroughbred stud and racing stables that my parents built, Uh, and they started from very humble beginnings. And so it took a lot of work to build what they had, which ended up being a very successful, well respected business. And that came at a certain cost, because that took them a lot of hours. Horses aren't something that you can just clock on, you know, at nine o'clock in the morning and clock mm-hmm. off again at five. And so there were mares to be foaled, and that happens all during the night time as well, mostly at night. Uh, and so mum and dad were both very, very busy building their business and doing what they needed to do to, to get that up and running. So I was, my care was outsourced to, my my dad's mum to start with, and then my mum's mum, my Nana, moved to live on the same property with us. And so I spent a lot of time with her. You know, if I was home from school sick, it was a case of I'm either in the house on my own, if I was old enough to be left there uh, on the property, and that or I was down at Nana's. Nana looked after me. And so it was it was a generation. I think it it still happens today. I think mums are probably there's more awareness around the connection between mother and child in particular. But it's it's not only mother and child. It's it's father and child as well. Yeah, the father and has to play of, an active A lot role. of dads have got to. Yeah, a lot of dads have got a bad rap over the years too because they've been out, that was their job, you know. They were the provider for the family in a lot of families. But also,
0: there's a lot of fathers that don't get credit because they are raising the children. Absolutely. I have a situation that I know of where the mother said, you know what, here you go. I can't take it. You do it. And he has done an amazing job, not with one, not with two, but with four. Yeah. And so he's not getting the credit that he deserves because, you know, it's hard for a woman to groom a young man or for a father Mm -hmm. to love and, well, not love, but uh, grow a young woman, you know? And the people that you bring into their lives So you were fortunate in a way that you did have maternal grandparents that Mm -hmm. were there too, but they come from the old school. You know, they're not the hip with it. They've still got their beliefs and their doctrines and the way that they were raised. Mm -hmm. So how did that impact you? How did that impact your life? It was interesting because I had two very different grandmothers.
1: Mm. Dad's mother was the eldest of 14. Oh, gosh. And so she had a very different view of the world like she was the matriarch of the family there she she would raised so many of her siblings when her parents were you know busy so as you know she'd left home by the time some of her siblings were even born mm. and so that a was a very responsibility different. for her too mm. and, and she it, carried it, it, that responsibility right through to the end of her life And and I'm
0: weaned over to, you know, taking care of you. Mm -hmm. Grandmothers are a lot different now. I've got a friend that says, I'm not the porch swinging grandmother. You know, they are, you come over, we have a good time, fine, you go home, but don't expect for me to raise your kid. Don't expect for me to uh, be the one running back and forth to the school, uh, always over here and you have freedom. They're making parents really dial back and taking responsibility for their own kids. So, you know, I can see where, you know, that could have it could have been uh, very different for your grandmother. Now, tell us about your other grandmother. Yeah, well, my other grandmother, she was the
1: only only girl in her family, she was one of five. And she was very different. Grandma was dad's mom. She was very um, it was a it was, a, it, was a, it was a different in environment, a different atmosphere when I was with at grandma's. It was very much. I was still doing my own thing. I had my things there. Where at Nana's, uh, she was that quintessential Nana, you know the the soft lap, the big hugs. The, I'd be in bed with her of a morning. I'd crawl
0: into bed with her, and she'd lie there and tell me stories. And you know, I'd bathe. Okay, so her Nana was her. your mother's mother, hmm. and your grandmother was your father's mother. Yes, that's okay. correct. Very different. Very, very, very different,
1: both very loving, just different ways of showing that. And as a child. Is one a stronger disciplinarian,
0: disciplinarian than other?
1: Yes, I don't ever remember being disciplined, but I didn't feel as necessarily as open
0: and playful at, at grandma's as I did at Nana's. Okay. And so how did that translate to the relationship with your mother? with mum mum has she's always
1: struggled with being able to be outwardly affectionate and there are you know that's come from things that have happened throughout her childhood and that's so you know i grew up desperately wanting that connection with mum and she wasn't necessarily able to provide that in the way I wanted it as a child and so there was a disconnect between us and so that was where Nana filled the gap for me.
0: Let me ask a question do you remember back uh, growing up what your relationship was because you say she wasn't able to connect did you look at how other mothers related to their children growing up growing going to school did you feel you know some sort of neglect were you punished were you disciplined how did you how did you not feel your feels?
1: I guess it wasn't so much a um, comparison between other children and their parents because I didn't actually get to see that. Uh, Because I was on the property all the time, I I was an only child until I was six and then my brother was born. Mm -hmm. And so that six-year age gap more or less meant that we almost grew up as two only children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because by the time he's born, I'm at school, in primary school. By the time he's finished primary school, I'm in high school. And then he's let he's hit high school and I've left and I'm I'm out of there. I was I'd left home by the time he was 14. So what was the relationship with your father? So well I just get where where I got my idea of what a family should look like were was the TV. That was the Brady bunch, the Partridge family. You know, those sort of family shows where I saw that interaction and I wanted that, mm. but it wasn't, it wasn't happening for me. And I remember sitting on the floor because mum and dad were out so much. I'm sitting on the floor watching TV there one day and something happened that I wanted to share with somebody. And I turned around and thinking, oh, there's no one sitting on the lounge behind me. I've got no one to tell this to. I've got no one to share it with. And so I was, I was quite lonely as a child. Um, so I'm so grateful for my grandparents. My, my nana, my, my grandfather was there as well. Um, and he had the uh, honour of being called Pom Pom. Mm. <laughs> I nicknamed him Pom Pom as a child and that
0: stuck with him. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, you're a mother of three, correct? Yes. Three so beautiful reflect, Okay. So when you reflect on, do you have grandchildren? No, no, not yet. Okay. Uh, so as you reflect back on your life, your experience, how did you shift and edit that when it came to your own three children? I was very intentional.
1: I had a very clear picture of the family I wanted to, the family life that I wanted to have, uh, what how I wanted to connect with my children, the closeness I wanted to help them explore to allow them to experience everything they could experience if they showed interest in something as they were growing up I was very um encouraging to allow them to try it out if and give it a good try not just you know indulge every whim but it was you know if you want to go and do dance if you want to go and play sport let's go and try it give it a good go if you like it then we'll, we'll keep going with that. If you don't, well, then we'll find what you do like, which was something that I didn't have the opportunity to do as a child myself. And so I, I told myself as a child that I didn't matter enough. Mm. And that wasn't something that was told to me. That was the story I took on myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, based upon the images that you saw, the fact that you know there wasn't the time, and then I found because I wanted to go and do ballet, and I desperately wanted. I would every time we drove past the ballet studio, I'd be my head would be hanging out the back window looking at it wistfully, and then I've only recently found out from Mum that she actually did ballet, but she didn't like it. She hated it, and so in her view, why on earth would I like it? Right,
0: right, right. She didn't and so I never had that opportunity
1: to and find And you know, out that's what I encourage
0: my... parents to do, is allow your children to live their life. We cannot yeah. relive our lives vicariously through our children. Yeah. We really can't. You know, there's a lot going on now. Children are a lot different. They're coming up with their own self-awareness. They're living through the social media and the device now. They're more isolated. They're not doing the things that we used to do, where you probably went out daily and played with the horses and in the field and made mud pies. Even if you were by yourself, they don't do that now. Mm -hmm. They don't have a sense of uh, self. So they create these stories in their head based upon social media. It's very dangerous, and then let's talk about you know uh, body dysmorphia, drug addiction, peer mm-hmm. pressure, mm-hmm. Uh, all these other contributing factors that are just going to happen naturally. So you have what two? Uh, what's the breakdown of your you have daughters and sons? Two two
1: girls and a son.
0: Two girls and a son. So it's a very different story raising a young man. Share with us a little bit about some of the differences that you see in the nuances in a boy versus a girl. Oh, very much so. Um,
1: I had the two girls, my two daughters came first, and then my son. So he had the, he's the, the, you know, you have that firstborn, and you have the middle child, and then you have the baby of the family. Mm -hmm. The pecking order. Yes. And so he grew up with two other mums as well. Mm. And the girls, I did a lot of, once I had the children, I did a lot of reading and educating myself on what, um, because I've always been curious as to what makes people tick. I wanted to understand myself, why what made me feel the way I did. And so I did a lot of reading books and learning about the developmental stages for children. I knew that, you know, they got once they, yeah, there's the developmental stage zero to seven is where children are very egocentric. The world is all about them. Um, and whatever happens in the world means something about them. So that's where perhaps some children, when their parents split up when they're young, they feel that it's their fault. They've done something wrong. Mummy doesn't love me enough to stay. Daddy doesn't love me enough to stay. I've been naughty. I've been bad. I've made them go away. When you know, That's not going to be the case. But as those young children, we make that all about us. And so we'll tell ourselves those stories. Now, when we got to teenage years, uh, I knew girls mature fast earlier than boys generally. Oh yes they do. <laughs> and so when, when my eldest girl she hit year seven, first year of high school, the girl that I'd known for the previous twelve years suddenly disappeared and there was another girl in her place that was moody, was didn't want to talk, was argumentative, and but fortunately I knew that this was part of her psychological development. Mm. That's when our children start to experience themselves as separate to the family, to their parents, find their place in the world, start to push against those boundaries that we've put into place. And that's where those boundaries are so important too because we give them boundaries but we can't make them hard and fast. We need to allow a little bit of flexibility so they can push. When they push too far, you go, well, hang on, it's not quite ready to go any further. And so they they have a safe container to grow within. Mm. And oh, so while, while my daughters were going through that stage, and it happened for both of them around the same age, beginning of high school, I just kept reminding myself, this too shall pass. This is part of the process. Yes, it's not comfortable. And yes, I do get triggered and all the rest. And we did have arguments, but it will pass. And it did. 12 months later, she came back. Wow. My son did that around the age of 16. And by that stage, his two sisters had both left home. Mm. And so I was left with a young man in the house who, and we was we we had a very, very close relationship, one of the most affectionate young men you'd ever come across. He withdrew from me. And this was after my marriage breakup too. He 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 was only ten when my husband and I separated, um, and so he was he was going between my house and his father's house. He would spend usually around three nights a week with me, and he'd spend weekends with his dad because his dad lived near to where all his friends were, so he could walk to their house. And they, and I understood that I'm living out of town, you know, but he still made made sure he came out and stayed with me at least three nights a week. But during that time also, you know, every time mum said something, the eyes would roll and it was, oh, she's speaking again. (laughs) (laughs) Like, honestly, do I have to listen to this? And then sometimes he'd be in on the, you know, he, he got the Xbox and he's playing games and that. And so I'm sort of monitoring that. But this is where it gets so challenging too for parents who have separated and I've noticed this a lot because uh, I also used to work at the school where my children went. So I saw it across the board for many, many years where when parents split, the child gets to go, oh, I don't want to stay with you anymore. You, Your, your rules are too strict. I want to go and live with the other parent. Mm-hmm. And so that parent relaxes the rules. They don't want to, you know, make their child not want to be with them.
0: Right. But you know what? Children, in my opinion, need rules and boundaries. Absolutely. And it's very different and very difficult, I'm sure, to co-parent because there's two separate standards. And in some situations, not all, parents use the child as a pawn. Oh, okay. I know how to get back at her. You know, let me do the exact polar opposite of what she's doing at her home but you know what i'm in the in
1: in the in the child's ear too absolutely and the other contributing
0: factor of the uh you want to have a life you want to continue to maybe date the father may date or there may be a step parent involved there's a lot of contributing factors Mm -hmm. what i suggest is number one have an open ear listen to what your child is saying and not saying watch Mm -hmm. their behavior Look at their social media. You're not going to have a cell phone and I don't have the password. I don't care. You ain't that grown. Mm -hmm. You that grown, you on your own. okay? I set some boundaries and some rules. Old school. I've had guests on my show that believe in unruling and unschooling. They just let their child grow on their own loins. Well, good luck with that because they're going to be a dysfunctional contributor to society. You have to learn to be able to go along and sometimes get along with the rules. Once your child hits the threshold of that door, they belong Mm. to the world. All the things that you've taught them, go out. Go Mm. through their backpack. Absolutely. You know, tell them what kind of contraband you might find. But because you've, again, violated their space, you need to approach it gently. Don't just attack them because you know that they're keeping secrets. Look at who these people are that they're talking to on social media. I had two young ladies in my car the whole time. I they, they were on that device. And I said, you know, let's have a conversation. I don't have anything to talk about. I said, well, your thumbs got something to talk about. They were talking to someone, you know? And it it's, uh, it's a dangerous way. You have to be gentle. They were potentially to talking, talking to each other. Yeah. Probably about me. <laughs> was, I've, I've, I've been something. there. I've
1: been there and had the, you know. One of my my dearest friends, we'd go there, and our daughters would be, you know, on the phones texting each other. Right,
0: right, and be in the same room in the in the house sometimes, and texting. You know, it, it's it's a different world. Okay, so we have to learn to adjust. So
1: it's, uh, it's about it's using, as you said, using those cues. The, seeing the behaviour and looking at what need they're fulfilling with that behaviour.
0: Right. What void? Was,
1: that is that is my one of my dearest passions is when I learnt about the six core needs that every human has and that we will do, particularly the very first four, we have a need for certainty, which is safety, security, comfort. We have a need for uncertainty. That's variety and adventure. Everyone has a need for significance to feel like they matter, that they're enough. And we have a need for love and connection. Now, when any one of those needs isn't being met in a healthy way, we will do whatever it takes to, to meet that need in whatever way we can it's where gangs come in that's where addictions are that's where addictions and sometimes it can be you're in a situation a gang maybe you don't particularly like what they do but you've got somewhere to belong you've got that connection and sometimes even if it's uncomfortable that knowing what to expect that's where people stay in relationships that aren't healthy for them too because they they develop a certain amount of certainty around they know what to expect they know that this is going to happen to them they know that they're going to feel like this but there's a certain comfort in that uncomfortableness
0: That's and that yeah mm. you know it's and, it's the it's the ease of the disease mm. and as we grow And we come to that self-realization much like you did. There comes a point where we want to be forgiven and that's self-forgiveness as well for whatever the situation may be. Why did I not feel that I was good enough? Why didn't Mm -hmm. I try hard enough? Why didn't my marriage work? Why are my kids on drugs? It's the endless answer of why. You said you went through a phase. How did you learn to forgive yourself?
1: It was through learning what had caused my triggers. The one thing with me is I did all that learning and research with my children. And most of the time I knew how to show up for them and what they needed and to be able to provide that. The times when I couldn't, the times when I was triggered, when I was there was tension between my husband and i and don't get me wrong my husband um he is one of the most generous kindest people you'd ever come across what i didn't know was how to relate to him and he didn't know how to relate to me and so we were pushing each other's buttons and so he would go off to work of a morning i'm triggered i'm feeling like i don't matter i'm upset And then the only ones home to left to deal with that was my children. And so I would all, and you know, the days when I was feeling like that, they were the days when my children would act up and they were the days where you go, I honestly, can you not do this today of all days? What I realized was my children are a barometer for how I was feeling. Mm. When I was in a great space, their energy was great. They were playing, they were happy, they were, you know, interacting with each other. The days when I wasn't in a great space, that's when they were at each other.
0: hmm Exactly. You know, they
1: were picking it's up that on my energy.
0: Source energy. Yeah, it says source mm-hmm. energy. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So now you have created balance, harmony, compassion, wisdom, and understanding. The recipe for success. And you've taken all of that and developed a coaching program. Tell us a little bit about the coaching program that you do with parents as well as young adults. Yeah, I just I take
1: it's it's very individual for everyone because everyone's experiences are different. And so it's about finding out what is holding that person back, what where they're feeling that they're not enough or they're not understanding why they're being triggered why their child is not acting the way that they think or they feel like they're doing something wrong or that or they're blaming the child for being a you know, bad child too uh, sometimes it's it's just that lack of knowledge once we start to develop awareness everything is about developing the awareness of why things happen what's happening for us what's happening for them knowing what to look for and then moving forward to bringing them together.
0: It's and, about and
1: building that connection.
0: It's about unity, but it all starts with a conversation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Parents, you have to carve out the time to communicate with your child. If it's like, you know, hey, come go with me to the grocery store, or come let's go for a walk, or let me play that video game with you. Teach me how to play that. Or, yeah, I you you did know, that with I, my son. Yeah. that <laughs> <I> was dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good because they can laugh at you, but they're also knowing that you are interested in their Ooh. life, what they're doing. Teach that, them about that, music. That's That's the real key,
1: what you just touched on there, April, is being interested and being curious as to what's going on for them. It's, right. not a, it's not always about telling them
0: what they should do or how they should feel. Or what, or what I did when I was a child. Yeah. It's an interactive conversation. It's a banter back and forth. You know, yeah. my daughter, she thought she knew everything. And sometimes I ask her, okay, well, so how's that working for you? <laughs> I tell my kids too, some lessons in life you're going to have to pay for. I can't talk you through them as much as I try. This is your journey. Parents that are dealing with children um, with trying to find their identity and their sexuality. That's big now. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, it is so different when probably you and I were growing up There was a lot of shame associated with that. That was something Mm -hmm. you hide. You don't talk about that. You know, grandma and mama probably knew that you were special. You were different, but that's not something that we talk about openly. Now, me and my husband were looking and saying, okay, this lifestyle and this culture is everywhere. Like you looked at television and saw the Brady Bunch and saw the Partridge family. Now they're seeing a lot more interracial couples They're seeing a lot of gay couples, they're seeing a lot of transgender, but this is where the world is now. And as Mm -hmm. adults, we need to morph into that or we're going to miss a whole generation. Your children want to be accepted for who they are, not who we want them to be, but who they are made to be and designed to be. That's going to require a lot of conforming of us. It's a different learning. It's a different time, but if we grow into that, I think that it can make it a much more harmonious and loving space. Wouldn't you agree? Yes,
1: we need to. We need to get really curious just about what's made us, how we feel too. It's not only about being curious about our children; it's about being curious about ourselves
0: mm-hmm. and identifying with that. Well, mm. you have just been a wealth of information. Your voice is so soothing and uh, comforting. I can see that you're very easy to talk to. You've been there. You have the experience. Tell my brains how to get in contact with you, Melissa, uh, to work with you. It can be remotely. They don't have to be right there in Australia, which would be great. But you can do a lot of things virtually. I do a lot
1: of work remotely now. COVID was uh, brilliant for that.
0: Absolutely. So tell my friends and my brains how to get in contact with you.
1: At the moment, I am having to redo my website, uh, but look out for consciousripplecreators.com.au. And also you can contact me immediately through Melissa Oriel on Facebook. And I, um, I think it's yeah I'll, I'll i might give you the information you can pop onto this after with the new email address. but there's also you can put mel oriel m-e-l-o-r-i-e-l 64 at gmail.com
0: get it on the gmail brains <laughs> that's new that's technology my mother would say oh my god i hate that internet it's the devil <laughs> <laughs>
1: but Uh, it's allowing us to increase our reach exponentially
0: it is and you know what the information is overwhelming so tap into your kids heads but most importantly tap into their hearts thank you so much mel for being here Uh, thank you april it's been such a pleasure i know i've enjoyed it so much as well brains go right here to this location right here get your uh look at that in australia too That's yes, right. Get it, get it, get it. Love, like, share. This information um is good for you. Share with grandmas because they're, you know, they're surrogate parents, uh, as well as tap into your kids' head. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you again soon. Thank you. Bye, brains.